wandering samurai through the wilderness this is the war and beast podcast actually we're not really a wandering samurai but i really like the aesthetic anyway i'm greg i'm emily i'm jordan in clearest day in darkest night i will not stand for megatron's blight to those who say he may be right beware the sky and silver bolts strike Okay, that was actually pretty cool. That was awesome, actually. That was legitimate. I'm laughing. That was good. Uh, I love I'm the Kendall. Green Lantern quote. I love, I love the Green Lantern oath, and I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was a very good take on it. Thank you. So, for, for anybody who doesn't realize but has been following along, we are reviewing Season 2, Episode 4, In Darkest Night. And I thought I was going to open with the Batman thing that I've done in the past. I'm like, I've done that too many times. I can't do it this time, <laughs> which sucks because if I had realized, I wouldn't have done it before. <laughs> but oh, well. But yeah, this is the episode. The where... Spaghetti Western sting. Uh... I tried whistling it, but uh, I, the microphone probably would not take take to it well. Yeah. So, I think it's interesting that Silverbolt goes from Paladin to Dark Knight, which is the opposite of what Cecil does <laughs> in Final Fantasy IV. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you think they know. would get along? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think I think, I think Cecil would see Silver Bolt now and be like, I've been there, buddy. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, we're, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves with this episode already <laughs> because we're just so excited. Um, but Kendall, what, what do we have in uh, this time in history? Okay. So let's see. So I pulled up a bunch of news sources that had blank pages. Oh um, no! <laughs> like, like, so I I think we're we're still in that like time where it's like websites exist it existed, but their archives don't go all the way back that far. Oh no! Um, let's see. I did find this this uh the Globe and Mail uh dot com has has it, oh, that's a Canadian. Yes, you're right. It's a Canadian yep. thing. Um. So uh Their paper sucks. They 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 predicted that a hot autumn was almost all of Canada will bask in unusually warm fall weather. Uh this was September 2nd, 2000 by the way. Let's see. Uh tensions are high in Boston as activists for the disabled confront right to die delegates. Um oh, and then this is this is why I had this up here. Uh tire maker hit again. Bridgestone Firestone. Uh, reeling from a huge tire recall suffers oh. new setbacks that cloud its future. So do you guys remember when Firestone had a giant recall because their tires didn't work? Yep, because the treads kept coming off the tires. I just remember that it was a punchline on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty big news back then. I, I do remember it because actually uh, between 
the problems with SUVs flipping over and then the problems with these tires, everybody was like, oh, my God, nobody drive big trucks with big tires anymore because they're like death traps. And my parents had an Explorer at the time. So. So uh, and then the movie that was popular this week uh, was Bring It On. Which oh, is, God. Is one of my all time favorite movies. It's one of my wife's favorite movies. <laughs> It was it was one of the first movies that my sisters and I all enjoyed, possibly on different levels. But like, I, it's also like it, it's it's a comedy. Like, it's definitely a comedy. So there definitely are intentional jokes in it. But it's mm-hmm. also like a cheesy a cheesy teen movie. So there's oh, so it's yeah. like you can't always tell where the intentional versus the unintentional humor is. Mm-hmm. But it's all just super great and joyful and fun and great. I am sorry, but I'm, I'm curious to what this movie is now. Cause I wasn't listening when you said it, <laughs> oh, bring, bring it on. Oh yeah. I like bring it on. That's the cheerleading movie, right? Yes. Yeah. I like that movie. I saw and, it on Easter. And I also, I also will say just to give you guys a sense of, um, of how, how important this, uh, this, um, this, this movie is to my uh, sort of zeitgeist, my internal zeitgeist. We were talking about something uh, before we started. That's a behind the scenes thing, but I, I was, I almost told Greg, this isn't a democracy. This is a cheerocracy. Oh God. God. (laughs) Because I, I, I think it's a great, like, like it's a great, it's like a perfect scene because, you know, she says this isn't a democracy. It's a cheerocracy, meaning that it's her call. So anytime that I'm in like a project where there's where there's a where there's like a a, a a disagreement, but at the end of the day, it's somebody. So like if it was my band or if it was somebody else's thing, it's like, you know, the, this isn't a democracy. It's a cheerocracy. At the end of the day, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's a cheerocracy. And and Greg is the head cheerleader. <laughs> hey, I don't know how to take that. Candle. <laughs> As someone who would love to be a cheerleader, I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> so I should have been the head cheerleader. Exactly. I've got spirit, damn it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Th- I mean, me. Emily, you're the oh. head cheerleader of of your podcast, of uh, uh, the Pursuit of Passions. I mean, I'm... And, and I, 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 it's, it's, I'm not... Okay, I was going to say, because like, Pursuit of Passions isn't a team effort. You never <laughs> just have one cheerleader. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> Meanwhile, everyone just wonders my devotion to Sparkle Motion. Aww. But Hiffle all accept. But I just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just, I, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I Home for Infinite Losers, I, I don't know. I don't know who takes the lead in that behind the scenes. Luke, so. Luke, Luke takes the lead as we record. Like, he's like the leader. But I'm the one who's cheering everybody on. I'm the support. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so sure. The, okay, yeah, that quarterback. Works. That's how it works. <laughs> but if you've seen Bring It On, you know that cheerleading is not about it's not about uh just about cheering for people. That's like, you know, going to the football games, that's like their practice. The serious thing is the competitions. I mean, I I agree that that's how it actually is, but what I what appeals to me about cheerleading is cheering people on. <laughs> you know what? Now I'm picturing something like some sort of a movie or something where it's a bunch of competing podcasts. <laughs> and it's like, how would that work? Would it and be like, like best, Would it be like a mockumentary, like Best in Show? Oh, that would be awesome. That'd be really good. 
And if we did it for like audio entropy, Emily would be like, which one do I choose? <laughs> okay, uh, so that's right. the news. Um, there actually was one piece of trivia. Uh, this is the last appearance of Jetstorm. Yes. We will miss your corny evilness. What's the what's the thing say, Jordan? All right, so TF Wiki actually does not have anything under animation and technical errors this time. Oh. Either someone, either they felt they were too minute to really mention, or this it was a perfectly made episode with no animation errors at all. Yeah, I'd go with the first. <laughs> I, I I don't know. This episode was was one of the closest to perfect episodes that I've that we've had so far. I mean. You mean with there. season two? Per- period. I mean, oh, I mean, since season one of Beast Wars, this is one of my favorite episodes. Oh, good. To and, know. Uh, but we do have quite a bit of like continuity errors where it talks about uh, how do the Maximals know that Noble survived at all? I, my guess was that that just, you know, they knew something was going on. This, this was several days later. I mean, the well, yeah, scratches like, in the ground. It's yeah. carrying. Exactly. Like Night Scream's like investigating a rampage area. Like, I mean, obviously, like it's a bad continuity. Yeah, he's he's here. Yeah, he's (laughs) he's yeah, he's he's suspicious. He's suspicious of, you know, he doesn't totally believe that this was all, you know, that was all Megatron manipulating him. And then, yeah, he sees big uh, noble shaped scratches on the walls. Mm -hmm. Uh, Similarly, how do the Maximals know where to find Night Scream after he goes missing? Um. Only. Wait. Do you I, mean the beginning? Yeah, I was gonna say. I I thought Rat Trap tra- had okay. a tracking system, didn't he? Uh, well, I mean, yes. yeah, because he he's he's the one who finds him later at at like Savage's and Noble Noble's lair or whatever. So I mean, like. Yeah. These continuity errors are bad. <laughs> like, and even if like he they didn't have a tracking thing, you usually say like, hey. Night scream, a patrol this sector, not just like go wherever, dude. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like uh Yeah. Or at the uh, very most Optimus could have like reached out with his spark or something like that. It's not that hard to yeah, to to, yeah. to, to imagine how they found Night Scream. Yeah, there's whatever. a lot going on in this episode. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't explain every little thing. Mm-hmm. But so, you know what? Uh, that's what Wikipedia is. That's what TF wikis are for <laughs> is to point out every, when they don't explain every little thing. Exactly. And especially uh, as we get into Beast Machines where probably these articles are not as as heavily as reviewed. Yeah. Uh, when Blackberry, it mentions when Blackberry Acnea, uh previously brought Silverbolt's personality out of uh, to the forefront in Jetstorm. He seemed to immediately return to his original chivalrous goofball personality with no psychological side effects. Mm-hmm. I do think that's a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not clear how Noble, a purely organic creature, has been managing to survive on Cybertron. The fruits that he gives Night Scream appear to be completely technological in origin and raise questions of where these things are coming from. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really understand the fruit part either. Yeah. But I and, and I was gonna say about like I do have an explanation to 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 Silverbolt maybe is that right. ever since his spark came out that one time, it's been in his back of his head experiencing everything, and it's yeah. been a while since that episode. Mm. So it's, I could I could see that being what the case is. It's be sort of like what we got with Tankor initially when when Optus was sort of starting to break through. 
Yeah. And then Megatron took over again. It's probably Yeah, I could see that's very similar to to with Silverbolt and Jetstorm, that same sort of clash of personalities internally. Uh now this one I mm, I don't know. I can think of very many bullshit reasons why this this <laughs> isn't an error. But anyway, seeing as how Damn, Silver... Jordan throwing out the <laughs> bad words. Uh, oh, you should have heard him dropping looked... f bombs in the in the, uh, <laughs> the 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 fake weird Al song episode of of that's what we called music. Like he he he, he yeah, there was like something fudge. he was like fuck 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 fuck. <laughs> and that's why I put the check mark into the explicit content box. <laughs> uh, seeing as how Silverbolt looks virtually nothing like his previous form, it seems seem somewhat odd that Rattrop would instantly recognize him without being introduced. <laughs> yeah, that was weird too. But maybe, well, he heard maybe. his voice. I, I think. I think, yeah, either from, I think just from context clues, Rattrap could kind of pick out what was going on. Like, he saw, he, he basically remembers showing Black Arachnia the thing, and she was very interested in the Spark Abstractor. He probably knew the minute that they started running, and then, like, look back, it's like, oh, why, where's Black Arachnia? Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, he knew immediately what she was going to do. It's like, what's yeah. this bird-looking thing that sounds like Silverbolt? Yeah. <laughs> Plus, I mean, there's. I think there's also something about the way all the characters, no matter how what they go through, carry themselves to kind of make, mark them as like you know some something that you might know or anything like that. And maybe just Rat Trap just kind of knew, just from uh, you know, just by looking maybe at Rat Trap saw the spark inside. Yeah, maybe. that's also a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So this this next one, I uh. I want to point out as to I want to bring up also because it was actually mentioned in some of the previous ones, but I had to either skip or censor them because it was spoilery. Uh, but it t- talks about how in Revelations Part Three Apocalypse, it's it's asking you remember how often said that tr- changing Rhinox against his will is no better than Megatron, or in Crossing the Rubicon in Beast Wars when he said the same thing about Black Arachne herself, yes. or when Black Re- uh, and it's like, well, either Black Rand yeah, doesn't remember uh, pointing or to Fallout. She doesn't which, care. She's not she doesn't. this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then it says, or it's okay when Jetstorm slash Silverbolt has a new toy out. Mm. Uh, then again, it's not <laughs> unlike Black Arachnia to ignore directions and strike out on her own. Well, and also, uh, it's there's a difference between bringing their true person, forcing them to bring their true personality out and. Uh, actually because like what optimus was not willing to do was to tamper with rhinox's actual spark yeah Um, like his actual his actual thoughts yeah i don't think and i and also the sense that i got was the the like transformation the where like she made him organic and stuff that didn't seem like it was something that she intentionally did no yeah it was well, she was yeah. she was definitely trying to get his spark out or something yeah though. i don't know yeah 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 so but she, it was she like, kind of led him to well no because and also Raptor mentioned there was a dna scanner on it and she led him to the room with a whole bunch of bones and the organic core goop but i'm so, not sure she knew that the goop was there because rat trap was like we aren't we're just not sure how to make them tech organic yeah the and, goop might have been accidental but yeah like i mean like it's different, like I think, like Ken pointed out, um, like instead of instead of trying to like mind control someone into like Rhinox into being a good guy or whatever, or tampering with him, that's not the same as like just bringing Silverbolt out of Jetstorm, because mm-hmm. I mean it was kind of a fucked up thing to begin with, like Megatron yeah. making this other person with 
you know, Silverbolt Soul. Um, you could argue the ethics of that, but I don't yes. think that matters as much to Black Arachnia. I think it makes perfect sense that she would do that to get her love back. So, <laughs> yeah. And then we got still a couple more continuity errors where it says, previously it was a major plot point to maintain robot mode. Now Night Scream is able to maintain ro- robot mode form while unconscious. Good focus, kid. Hmm. I will point out that he was one of the first one of the first uh, tra- uh, Maximals to quickly learn how to transform almost immediately after getting a techno organic body. Nice scream, yeah. Yeah, which Silverbolt also does, and yeah. it, which it points out this is not the first time. Of course, referring to uh, Nice Scream, nor will it be the last. Anyways, so then we've got continuity notes where it brings up the DNA scanners again, which were a major part of Beast Wars and incorporated into Stasis pods. But Nightscream noted in Survivor that all DNA scanners have since been directly integrated into Cybertronians. Uh, one of the fossils in the cavern belongs to the same prehistoric back species that Nightscream scanned. Yes, and also T-Rex. And, and we can yeah. yeah, and it also reminds us that Silverbolt has shown a uh, previous non-chivalrous dark side to him from time to time, most notably in Crossing the Rubicon, where he intends to murder Tarantulas. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Black Rachnia refers to how Silverbolt helped her find light, referring to her defection to the Maximals in Beast Wars. And then we've got a list of gadgets and powers, where in his new body, Megatron can grab people off the ground and drag them up into the Grand Mall, which is the giant ship head that they kind of call it, UFO abduction style. Yeah. Uh, Rattrap has telescopic vision, thanks to his face mask. And Cheater later uses his swords as a parachute. Yeah. I think well, they just he, make him let him fly. He can glide, yeah. Like he's he's he can glide or fly, whatever. It's stupid, but whatever. Yeah. It's a thing he can do. Just, I mean, that's the thing he exhibited in episode two or something. Yeah, right? I was thinking like, he'd done that before. A yeah. lot of times. Yeah. Uh, so we got one more note of a real world reference. The episode title, of course, is a reference to the Dark Knight, a nickname for Batman. Writer Stephen Melchin based Silverbolt's drastic personality change on the Cape Pursuiter himself, comparing it to Silverbolt's Beast Wars incarnation to the silly, campy Adam West version of the character, while the grim, vengeance-driven reincarnation we see here was inspired by the darker tales on the character. Yeah. And I actually can see that, and I think that is a very interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. I was really curious, yeah, because that was one thing I was really curious about. Well, that... And I really am wanting to know how they came upon this decision for the character design for Silverbolt. Yeah, there's nothing about his character design yet. I might. Uh, check, I will check uh, his his specific article. See if there's anything um, there. I mean, like you you kind of brought it up already, Greg. But like he definitely has a samurai aesthetic now. Oh yes. yeah, either yeah. samurai or Ronin. I, yeah, I would I would lean I would more say towards Ronin. Ronin. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I'm honestly thinking too, because because we'll get into it, like how he sees himself now and stuff like that. Yeah, like a Ronin, a wandering samurai, like a lo- loss of honor kind of character. Yeah, that really does kind of seem to be what they were thinking of. Yeah. Um. So then we've just got two two small trivia bits. Uh, while it's not explicitly saying so, this episode does give reason for how Waspader, of all people, could influence his Vicon self to help Brachiarachnia. But her true love couldn't. It wasn't that he couldn't. He just didn't want to stop being a villain. Mm. Mm. And then Viacons are a superstitious and cowardly lot. (laughs) 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 That's why they're all scared of Night Scream. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And that Night Scream looks pretty weird. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all we have for uh, the TF Wiki. All right. So... 
getting into the episode, you realize that this is the first episode in a while that we don't have a lots of time on Beast Machines at the start of the episode. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yep. We start off in what it almost looks like a Terminator 2-esque uh, pile of rubble for buildings with the Grand Mall, a.k.a. Megatron's big, ginormous head floating off in the distance. It is like very stark apocalyptic sort of scenario looking thing. Mm -hmm. Um, The camera pans down into the rubble and we've got night scream. Who's walking around as we mentioned prior, he's looking for savage and noble. We don't know exactly why, um, but as evidence, when he comes across a claw mark on the side, what, what I'm assuming is like rubble from the side of a building, uh, he realizes that he's still out there. He's not sure how, but that there's something more to him than just being Megatron. Like there, that there was something more, uh, which is, you know, a rather noble sentiment. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I was rather proud of myself with that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> At least one of us is. Yeah. This is the second episode in a row where somebody's gotten a joke in it. You're like, God damn it, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have Night Scream who, who starts proceeding through the the sort of debris. Uh, and he's fell upon by both Jetstorm and Thrust. Uh, he And we get a line from, from Jetstorm. He's like, Noble, nope, won't find that here. But we can definitely do the savage part. So we we then get <laughs> That's them. That's almost chasing. as good a joke as the one that you just made. Yeah, almost. <laughs> I, almost. Do, I do. I do like that. Like Jet Jetstorm later calls him Night Squeak. Yes, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, so the two of them pursue Night Scream, and we get Thrust, who sort of launches himself off of a uh, sort of like a destroyed road. And sort of crashes into Night Scream, and we see him f- sort of pinned under thrust as they're falling through the air. Uh, and then we cut to Rat Trap, who appears to be working on some sort of a device. And as was alluded to earlier, uh, we get first off, Black Arachnia spooks him by showing up behind him. Which, you, you know, I mean, like, yeah, Black Arachnia is kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, which causes Rat Trap to transform from bot back into his rat form. Uh, she asks him what he's doing. And Why didn't you like, say bot to beast? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's sort of alluded to that Rat Trap figures that he, she was watching him for a while, so she probably already knows what he's been doing. Uh, but he goes on to explain anyway. I really like how he has a full tool set there. Yeah. He's just, he's just has this like holy module, like rack, like a, like one of those old socket wrench sets. Yeah. You know, with all the little things in it. Cause yeah. he even has a little tail thing that he, you know, would hook to his tail to attach them to. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I like techie rat trap. He's good. Mm-hmm. I like that. He's now sort of like, he's filling the rhinox role. It's very cool. After and, he left us. And it's rather fitting, too, considering they were best friends. I think that's really good. Yes. Yeah. Best friends. Yes. They absolutely weren't dating. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> Wink. 
Um, but Brad Trapp goes on to explain that uh, he took a sort of like a, a busted up spark extractor. He fixed it up and he attached it to a, an old DNA scanner. So he turns it on, it starts spinning around, and he holds up a fossil that uh, he came across, and it sort of walks on to the bone and scans it a little bit. And, of course, Black Arachnia seems rather interested in it. And Rattrap explains that both he and Optimus thought this would be a good thing for once they find the sparks to try and get the convert the Transformers into, you know, bestial forms. Uh, but they're not exactly sure... You know, they can sort of turn them into like the previous forms, but they're not sure how to get them into the trans organic forms that they all are. Um, so that's something that, you know, they're going to try and figure out, I guess. Uh, but well, for the what, time- she mentions like without the Oracle, because I guess they're implying that Optimus has lost his connection to the Oracle. Maybe because I don't know why Optimus can't just reformat them, right? Yeah. Although with reformatting, I, I think maybe what's being alluded to is. The sense I mean, that I got is take out a lot of from Optimus. Yeah, Wasn't Oracle he, he, like corrupted. They well, they know that. Uh, I think they pretty much have had that thought that they were given false information from uh, by by Rhinox slash Tankor uh, back then. So they might so they might be actually kind of wary of what's As what the yeah because yeah, yeah. they're not sure if that if that means that it is completely compromised. Or that uh, it was that one-time thing that was specifically done by an outside force. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Which yeah. means that it could also be done again, so they still have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah, so it just means that they're a bit more self-reliant. And also, in the same token, anytime that we've seen Optimus try and do a, a reformatting of somebody, it takes a lot out of him. So the, the sense of him trying to do it to like an entire population probably wouldn't go over too well so yeah i can see why they'd be trying to figure out other ways of being able to do it without you know jeopardizing his own safety sure 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 uh but over the course of conversation we get optimus and cheetor who come in and optimus asks if night scream has returned from his patrol and rattrap's like no i haven't seen him Optimus like well that was three mega cycles ago so they all get concerned and decide to head out. And as they leave, of course, we get Black Arachnia. Remember when at we the used to try to gadget. figure out how long a cycle was in a mega cycle? Yeah. yeah. I was wondering if someone was going to bring that up. Yep. <laughs> I actually <laughs> thought about that when I heard it in the episode. I'm like, I remember that. They must not have, they must not have used that terminology in a while. Because I was, I was just like, you know. I used to care about things. <laughs> I used to feel things. <laughs> I used to, I used to, what was it? I used to, what is, what does he say? Oh, we'll get to it. <laughs> I used to, that was back when I believed in things. I think that's what Silverbolt yeah. says. Words now, just air. But yes. Um, so we return to, to Night Scream, who for some reason, why does it seem familiar to me to see these cycles circling Night Scream? It's like I've seen it in some sort of a movie before, but I can't place it what like movie. Circling, like cir- circling an individual in the in the middle. Yeah, like I definitely remember being a scene in the uh, in the live action Fist of the North Star that was made in America and had Clint Howard as one of the goons. Oh God. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> 
I have not seen the whole thing. I've only seen bits and pieces, and the bits and pieces I've seen were not good. Nah, it wasn't. No. Ooh. But yes. Um, so we have uh, Jetstorm who, you know, lowers himself down. He's like, hey, Night Squeak. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. And uh, he, he's about to put the kibosh on, uh, on the bat, and he is then rescued by the Maximals. Um, Optimus, I'm assuming, used one of his chest pizzas again to, mm-hmm. to shoot uh, Jetstorm. And we've got the uh, then Night Scream flies up and starts explaining that he was looking for, for Noble again. Yeah, and Rat Trap's like, guess our party invitations didn't come in the mail. Yeah. Um, Cheetor, I'm surprised, considering his reaction when they first came across Noble, his reaction here is a bit, well, I suppose I, I shouldn't say it's too surprising, but the fact that they, they've now got this creature running around, I would have thought that Cheetor would have been a bit more, I don't know, sensitive to the fact that this is a creature now, like it doesn't have Megatron inside it anymore. So maybe we should be trying to to understand it and not yeah. just consider it a thing or, you know, it's it's an unknown quantity. Um, I mean, so was, the, uh, uh, the other side of it is he knows that it's not a maximal. True. And he's a maximal, so he's racist. Point taken. Oh, you. <laughs> um, so... We then get the a bit of a, a fight scene between the the Maximals and the Vehicons here. Um, Thrust sort of pins Optimus up against a wall. Cheetor is giggling gleefully as he's being chased by two jet drones and is gliding through the sky. Um, Night Scream and Black Arachnius, or rather, Night Scream at first is going to go after Jetstorm, and then Black Arachnius seems to sort of take over. Uh, we do get a moment where, you know, Cheetor takes out the two drones, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, then we get a bit of a, an extended period between Black Arachne and Jetstorm where he's like, let's end this. And she's like, I couldn't agree more. And she then she she's attached the, the device onto his back and he doesn't realize it. And it's blinking and she starts, you know, it's sort of a game of cat and mouse now. Although I suppose it would be Jet and Spider instead. Mm. Yeah, doesn't quite have the same ring to it. <laughs> Although and Spider, yeah, maybe. Now I was mounting at seven forty-seven, chasing down like <laughs> a spider that's like a normal size. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of overkill, but yeah, well, yeah. Um, so Optus manages to. To you know, knock over thrust, and the Maxwells seem to have the upper hand at this point. But then we get Megatron's big ugly mug arriving on the scene, and Megatron is like, uh, "Optimus, we didn't really get to talk much last time we saw one another." He's like, "Here, why don't you come inside?" And then he catches him in a tractor beam and starts hauling him up into the ship. And Cheetor, being the concerned second in command, uh. Rushes to try and help Optimus by leaping by into the air. into the tractor beam because that's yeah. really smart. Good job, Cheetor. Good job. Yeah. So <laughs> both of them go, you know, floating up into the air. 
Um, Deathstorm is still chasing after Black Rackney, and it almost looks like he's going to turn his attention to what's going on with that. But then she grabs, you know, a manhole cover or bothole cover, I guess you could say. Um, and she, uh, she's like, catch me if you can. And then she jumps down and Deathstorm starts chasing after her. Meanwhile, uh, Night Scream is watching all of this take place with Optimus and Shidor. And then he gets smacked in the back of the head by Thrust and gets knocked out. And we then have Thrust, who looks like he's going to try and finish him off. And then he's knocked knocked over by Savage, who has shown up at the scene. To save Night Scream. Yep. And so he, he knocks Thrust away and then shoots a fireball at him. We also get an answer to the question that you had, Emily, last episode. Mm, yeah, if he can fly, because yes. he does. Yep. He, he, he picks up Night Scream in his mouth and starts flying off. He can fly, he can fly. He can fly. But, <laughs> I'm not going to find it on my phone again. I didn't even do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rattrap sees this, though, and uh, starts giving chase. He's like, nobody's making a light snack out of my friend. Which, you know. Yes. Fair. Yeah. I wonder how bat wings taste. I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was going to say, like, bats yeah. are really cute, Web, but I mean, like, Web cows are cute brains. and pigs are cute and I eat those. Yeah. I'm just reminded that. Have you ever seen the the uh, snack for dogs called Pig's Airs? Yes. I would imagine it'd be the same kind of kind of thing there. Yeah, true. Although I keep thinking back to Three Amigos. Because there's a scene in Three Amigos where they've managed to, you know, shoot some bats and they cook them over a fire and start eating the wings. Oh, jeez. Yeah. It's a little weird. But yeah. Anyway, getting back to the episode at hand. uh, We've got Black Arachnia who's continuing. She's led Jetstorm underground and he's continuing to, to chase after her. And she comes upon a cavern with bones and she she manages to do like a little acrobatic move to sort of set herself up above the doorway. And as Jestorm gets close, uh, one of her energy webs uh, shoots up into the doorway. He flies into it. So he's tangled up and then he lands in a big puddle of the goop. And as he does, the the DNA scanner and the spark extractor activate. So we see this sequence of events where the scanner is going around. It looks like Jetstorm's in a bit of pain. Um, the DNA scanner like finds what appears to be like a skeleton similar to to Night Scream. Uh, there's like a, a dinosaur head. And black, you know, we see Jetstorm sort of writhing a bit in pain, almost like he's fighting a bit. And Black Arachne is telling him, "No, don't fight it." And he starts undergoing a metamorphosis. Uh, we start seeing some some feathers sort of coming out of his body, and uh, eventually he he changes into a bird, a giant prehistoric condor. Yeah, it's a, like a, a bold headed vulture thingish. It's it's kind of a strange looking bird. He kind of looks like especially strange because of how many multiple colors there are, kind of thing. Like he's almost like stained glass looking. But yes. like, um, I'm a little disappointed because like. <sighs> I kind of wanted him to be a Fusor still. Like, would have like, been nice. I like yeah. Bird Dog. Bird yeah. Dog's good. And now he's well, just a bird. And birds well, are we, cool, but, you know. I mean, we saw the two skeletons 
scan. So it almost teased like it was going to be. And I was like, mm-hmm. is it going to be like a dino bat or something like that? But I, no, he's just a burb. I think his his design looks a lot more. It's it's interesting. I mean, I don't I don't want to say that I like it because I have kind of given up on liking designs, <laughs> but but like it it does look a lot. It's interesting to me because it looks a lot more two D and hand drawn than the mm-hmm. other ones. Like yeah. it, it's very it's very clear that I mean it kind of makes sense. Like most of the rest of them, their their design was they were you know, at the beginning of the series and then this is the next season. And in the next season you have the awful, awful design of, of noble savage. And, and then, and then this, which is like something completely, completely different, but yeah, it looks very, I don't know. It looks like kind of like, I don't know. It, it almost looks like a, a, a more modern when, vi- when modern video games do kind of throwbacks to early polygonal, it yeah. kind of it kind of reminds me of that as opposed to the actual styles that most uh, po- early polygonal graphic is graphics are that that lines up more with the 90s. Like it doesn't look it as much as as much as uh, Noble looks incredibly 90s. He doesn't look 90s. He <laughs> looks like something that uh, more in the style of the of the OOs. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I think I have that. a sound clip of this. Okay. I I think that's this scene. This is this is because it it he transforms or he he goes through the crazy transformation and then uh we go to commercial. I think this is right after the commercial. Yeah. Yeah, so that's yeah. that. That was yeah. really he, loud. I hope it didn't. <laughs> I'll fix it in post. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't look like the. It doesn't look like it clipped in the waveform, so we should be fine. Huh. But uh, yeah, it was, um, it was loud. Admittedly, my first impression when I saw the new form was pigeon on steroids. He looks like a eagle or a vulture, like Jordan was saying. Yeah, I think it's the nose more so than I, anything else. That you know what he gave is? Me the he, pigeon look. He is a fusor. He's a fusor between a pigeon and a bird of prey. I don't. Yeah. I don't so, like, so oh, you—it's not a dog though. So that's bad. I'm not saying. <laughs> I, look, I, I am not defending it. I am not saying anything positive. I am simply making the observation that he sure, is sure, a sure. fusor between multiple types of birds and so a parrot. Do you want, do you want to know what the TF I mean, cookie goes is? His what he looks is like? very eagle-like, I'd say, but yeah. Go up? ahead, Jordan. Uh, the TF wiki hints that he looks like Sam the Eagle from the Muppets. I was just about yeah. to post that picture. God damn it, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> you let him. You were like, go ahead, Jordan. You could have sniped it, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> if they had made well, him look more eagerly and less uh, like colorful... I think that would be very apt, uh, yeah. sort yeah. of with his character. Um, he does feel like a very all-American character, although they, you know, obviously his, change him going forward. His but. colors are very parrot-esque, but yeah. yeah, yeah, that's why I'm saying it's a fuse a fusion between a parrot, a pigeon, and an eagle. Okay, yeah. and you know what, Jordan? I sniped figure skating last week, so it's only fair <laughs> that you get to snipe it this week. So here we go. Yeah. 
So it's it we're we're good now. We're even. Um, but yes, we Silverbolt's reaction is you know at first he he's like oh black arachne and you almost get the impression maybe it's going to be like what happened last time but instead he just completely freaks out uh breaks out what's of the I become kind of thing and it's like dude yeah. like, black arachne it's not that weird yeah <laughs> he's like he, well you got he, he he just he realizes how bad his character design is now Oh. I, I'm I, just saying everyone's character design is bad. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. I I wouldn't. You you know how you know how people say that uh the for in the in the new Star Wars movie that first conversation with Snoke where he says that uh, Kylo Ren's mask looks stupid is like Snoke speaking as the audience from certain you know certain audience people from the first movie. Mm-hmm. I I would not be surprised if. Silverbolt uh here in a minute when he says like how can you look at me uh it, if that if that was sort of a writer a writer doing a a little bit of a commentary on the character designs uh for Maybe beast machines funny. yeah be a bit of a tongue in cheek sort of fourth wall break there i think yeah yeah um but silverbolt goes flying off through a hole in the ceiling and uh we sort of get this nifty little sort of fade to black on black arachnia uh and we then get the the scene shifting back to uh the big giant floating head in the sky and we then see inside and we've got optimus and cheetor who are both suspended in midair with this reddish glow about them and megatron uh starts to speak and optimus is like megatron and we learn that Megatron now apparently wants to try and find the Oracle so that he can try and use it to better do things with the sparks that he has captives. So that's the first admission that, yes, he does have the sparks captives somewhere. And didn't we, we see where they were? Where. Uh, didn't he bring out sparks when he made like the... When he made yeah. the generals, yes. That, that, was, actually, uh, that, was, in a, that was in a Citadel, yes. We, yeah. I mean, we as an audience mm-hmm. know where they are, but the trans... But the team doesn't, I guess. But yeah, unless he moved them again, which is possible. Yeah. But yes. Um, and towards the end of the conversation, uh, Megatron uh, talks about extracting the information from Optimus and Cheetor, and that it's going to be quite painful, and that they will not survive the process. Yeah, well, he says what it's going. I'm afraid the process will be painful, lengthy, and apparently fatal. Yes. Yeah, with that, you know, mock concern, of course. Um, from here, we then turn to Night Scream, who's laying unconscious on the ground. I do want to say that I also get the feeling that it doesn't have to be fatal, but he's making it that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, Night Scream, of course, wakes up and he looks around, is uh, a bit unsure of his surroundings. He's still, still sort of in a, you know, a wreckage sort of place and he sees a light. And here's something he goes to check, and we see Noble, who apparently is digging around for something. Uh, Night Scream, of course, you know, makes a bit of a sound, and we see Noble looking back. He almost has a bit of a an evil look on his face, but it turns out that it's more so a concentration. Well, it was growl- he was growling. Yeah. 
he was growling a bit. It's a bit more of a feral reaction rather I than evil. I feel like he's, he's growling to be like, yo, chill. And then, yeah. like, he gets him his apple and he's, like, looking at him. And I have expected him to, like, move forward a bit and just lick night cream. Yes, that's what I was expecting at first, too, <laughs> when he happen. sniffed him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but instead, he, he drops a metallic apple. And it lands it night in between Night Scream's legs. He looks at Noble and then smiles a bit. And Noble's just sort of, you know, sitting there like a good boy. Just, you know, he 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 played fetch and good doggo. Yes. So we then turn our attention back to Silverbolt, who is now outside on a building, perched looking menacingly at the floating head off in the distance. And we then get Black Arach. This was this was very Batman esque here, uh, because we get Black Arachnia who it's hops building down. Building tops, of course it is. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it, it 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 gave me vibes of Batman and Catwoman uh, because she hops down from like out of nowhere onto the, the roof. The first time we compared Black Arachnia to Catwoman, although that was. In uh, the Transformers animated Halloween special we did, yes, because Octopus and 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 uh, Black Rackney in that series are very Catwoman Batman esque. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, um, she approaches uh, Silverbolt, and we get a bit of a a discussion between them, and you know, Silverbolt, he, he's not. He's a bit cranky. Yeah, yeah. this uh, I've got I've got this whole scene. Because okay. because it's like this episode doesn't have a lot, but it has but it's got what it's got that's got it's got. And yes. I just I feel like this interaction between Black Arachne and Silverbolt is some of the best voice acting, some of the most just just interesting, like you can really tell that these these characters have a history in mm-hmm. in a way that's really something special. So yeah, this is a long clip, but it's I feel like I feel like it kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. We'll play. <laughs> How can you stand the sight of me? Look at what I've become. Your spark is strong. Megatron could never crush your spirit. What do you know about my spirit? Where do you think you're going? Do you have any idea what I went through to get you back again? After what you went through. Obviously, he's, this is you all the times that he got shot. You helped me find the light once. Yeah. I was a fool back then. I believed in things. Then let me help you believe again. Optimus and Cheater have been captured. We have to rescue them. Why? Why? For honor, for glory, for the sake of goodness. Words. Nothing more than air. They carry no meaning for me. Fine, be that way. But I'm not leaving them with Megatron. Megatron. Oh, that's such a good scene. Oh, my God. (laughs) It is. Good yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny because I was, I was watching the scene while you were playing that, and it kind of almost matched up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's good. Like, uh, I mean, like Scott McNeil's a very talented voice actor. I mean, he, he like he he could do Rat Trap, and 
and Dinobot and not have you tell at all that it's like the same guy. So like he's doing Silverbolt, but he's doing a different Silverbolt that still sounds like Silverbolt, but a little different. And it's good. I don't like mm-hmm. it. It sounds not darker, but you can tell like rougher, the, angrier. Yeah. Harder. Just, yeah. The way the conveyance of it is that, you know, he's gone through some shit. I mean, now I, I just, I don't know why. I don't know if, if it's just got to do with the style of the show or what, but there's so this, it seems like this show has so many of those back and forth, either monologues or dialogues where, where the the voice acting just is just like spot on like like you really you really get that emotion and i feel like i feel like that wasn't there for beast wars mm-hmm. at least not at least not on the same level maybe it also may have to do with me actually isolating just the audio like that does i think it has it has but. more to do with the fact that we never had drama like this in this particular cal- of this particular type in yeah. Beast Wars, like we uh-huh. didn't have two characters talking about their philosophies and how to like make Cybertron a better place. We didn't yeah. have two characters who are lovers who have been split apart from, you know, by strife and 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 you know, mind control essentially. Like all this crazy shit. Ha- like there's a lot more weight mm-hmm. and character mm-hmm. development and like emotional ideas that are get that they have to get across in this series because they're going for those kind of stories yeah, and, and they do Beast it Wars wasn't really trying to get to those kind of stories yeah i guess i guess that's yeah that's true and they do it so they do it well i mean most of the time they do it well uh but they do it without um without it feeling like angsty because i feel like that was there were some dark dark story arcs in beast wars but they felt more whiny and angsty than than mm-hmm. this stuff like this stuff feels like Feels like it has, yeah, it has weight. Like it has real, real repercussions without just being, I mean, sometimes it does get into just sci-fi BS, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just feel like, I feel like there's, that's, you know, that's one of my favorite things is pulling these, these little, these little scenes, these back and forths where the performances are just so great. And it's just like, I don't know, like you don't expect that from, from a, from a show like this. Yeah. It's a bit more compelling, I think, is is what what we're going with yeah, here. Yeah. Um, and really, we we sort of touched on it when we were talking about, like, the end of the first season. Like, a lot of this stuff, a lot of the subject matter is a lot more mature and a bit more ahead of its time than what we would have come to expect. Like, Silverbolt's reactions in this episode alone, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm getting a bit of ahead of myself because I really should be talking about this at the end, but he is exhibiting some very synonymous traits with like post-traumatic stress disorder. And, you know, just the, the sort of things that you would expect to see from somebody like, I, I can't say that I'm any expert whatsoever or any experience with it, but this is the sort of thing that I would assume somebody who might have been like overseas in a war and came back would be sort of reacting like this. Like the sort of person that would say, look, I did some shit that I am not proud of and it's, you know, not sitting well with the person. Yeah. And like, I think it's, I just think it's so funny that like while we were doing beast wars, 
like you guys had mentioned beast machines like oh we gotta do beast machines oh yeah. and the whole time i'm thinking like i bet it's not as bad as you guys remember i yep. bet it's okay i bet it's a pretty good show and i was right yes. <laughs> so i was just middling that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mostly hey, i i i've said in that episode that i will eat crow and i am eating crow i just but... yeah i'm just i'm just saying it's funny because like greg you were the one who's all like and i mean guys you Beast machines. Like, I don't yeah. know if we're gonna do beast machines. Like I don't know. Like and then, yeah, <laughs> well, we're doing just, it, and we're all I mean, enjoying it, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, it, it's. I mean, and there were some. There were some rough up. Ep- there. This was definitely. This episode was definitely episode. a step back. We got back on track. Like the, the last few episodes, I wasn't. I wasn't totally feeling, but this episode, I think, was was really good. And the stuff they did with Rhinox last season was just like some of the best like there's there's definitely um so uh, i do want to talk a little bit about the the black arachnia silverbolt relationship because i don't know if you guys remember this but i wasn't the biggest fan of season three of beast wars yeah Um, Yeah. even even the the black arachnia silverbolt stuff Mm -hmm. uh i i didn't i mean the i it, it was one of those things that the concept was really good i think having Having that that relationship is a really interesting concept. I don't think the execution was was where I want it to be. And I was thinking there's actually a lot of media where the you know something will happen in the first season of a show or the first couple seasons of a show that's not the best. But then you have once you have characters who have these these established relationships and you can kind of look back on it, it doesn't really matter whether whether the episode where they got together was a good episode or not the fact is they have this established you know they got together they they have this relationship and they were torn apart um mm-hmm. you know it's it it comes up a lot i think it comes up a lot in later seasons of buffy where buffy and angel have this history and if you go back and watch the episodes where angel and buffy were actually just kind of boyfriend girlfriend that's not the best era of Buffy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it gets better very quickly, but that's the first season and a half. That's a little bit, not the best. I also, um, uh, the power Rangers comic, uh, has had their 24 issues in and they've had some story arcs that went on too long. The pacing was a little uneven, but they're going into this new story arc. And I could really tell that it's like, okay, now we have all these established characters, all these established relationships that can, that that can go, that can go up against each other and have weight. And I think yeah. that that's that's kind of where we're at with with Beast Machines here, and especially with with the Black Arachnia Silverbolt relationship. Yeah, I think we've had quite a bit of build up to it, and now that we're getting it, we're you know I think a lot of people were expecting that you know Silverbolt's going to be back. It's like, oh, dark part of my heart, and it is not that case. And I I'm wondering if maybe that in itself is another reason why so many people their first impression of beast machines or their first recollection is you know it was a lot of characterization that seemed out of character but when you really like us watching it now is totally making sense and is actually showing growth we have to remember, like a lot of the people who watched this like when it first came out were kids yeah and and we were going from this like fun action series to like this more dark dreary show yeah. and i can understand how that could like put people off mm-hmm. but 
as adults getting back to it were like, yeah, this is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, I do wonder though if, if, uh, cause, cause I do think some of the back, there was some backlash with the way that Rhinox, the Rhinox tank or stuff, like that's my mm-hmm. understanding. Cause I mean, my, the biggest, the biggest thing that I always heard, uh, criticism that I heard from random either people that commented on our Twitter or whatever was that I mean the character designs were not good and that the uh the char- the uh, the established characters were act acted out of character in this uh in this show so I could I could definitely see especially yeah if people are big fans of Silverbolt I mean I'm not uh but if people were big fans of Silverbolt and then he comes back and he's something different, I could see their I could see their them not not liking it. But also it totally story wise, it totally makes sense for him to be darker and crazier. Oh yeah. Um well I will say we have a number one Silverbolt fan here on the podcast. So Jordan, what do you feel about this change? I well, I was worried because I mean I knew about it. Like I've heard things about it and I was kind of worried that it wouldn't make sense. But that's but I only seen like I've only like I said, like I fell off and only got to see bits and pieces. So I didn't know how how they took it. Seeing it now, though, I I actually do see how it works. I don't think it's very much out of character for what it what it happens. Like Greg was saying, it does kind of feel like a, you know, like someone who survived war has gone through stuff and has come back and is, you know, affected by that. He's been affected by a lot of stuff. And mm-hmm. it does make sense to me to why he does seem like that. And to be honest, like we were saying with Jetstorm, how he was over the top and stuff like that, I can still see how this is just a push of that personality in a different way. It's basically yeah. like as honorable and as tough as he is. Basically, he's like he feels like he failed everyone, including himself. So, of course, he would be very, very upset at himself. Yeah. So, I mean, I can understand like at a first at a first in the first broad strokes of it. Why people would uh, think it was too drastic or didn't fit, but actually sitting down and watching it, it, it seems fine. It seems it seems good. It seems it makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, we we went off on a bit of a tangent. We still got like <laughs> a bit of like a bit of an episode to go here. Um, just um, getting back to the episode. So we've got Rat Trap now, who's managed to to track down. Uh, Night Scream, who, as it turns out, is in Noble's Lair, which is close to the waterfall that I think we saw in the episode that introduced him, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I can't I think, think it, there's too many waterfalls in Cybertron. Yeah, I think you're right. And that is this is around the, the same place in that first episode. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right. That would make sense. It's a familiar place to, to Noble. Yeah. Um, and of course, Rat Trap is resigned to the fact that, you know, he's got to be the one to save Night Scream. Uh, but, you know, it's because he's a good Maximal and friend. Yeah, I mean, like, I, and I mentioned earlier, like, I like Techie, Techie has, Rat Trap. I like that he's, like, especially in this episode, he shows a lot of, like, he's, he, he's comfortable with his new abilities, and he, he's very resourceful and able to do interesting things with them even if he's not the most overtly offensive character, you know? Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. So and he has to save Night Scream because it has nothing to do with all the money he owes him from the poker games that he's been trying to teach him. Yeah, exactly. They don't have any money. They're like trading <laughs> bottle caps or something. 
Hey, collecting things is collecting things. <laughs> Baltimore. Uh, I, yeah, I was going to say that too. I wanted to mention the 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 metallic apple core. Yeah. Um. So we return to to Black Arachnia and Silverbolt. Uh, she's riding on his back as he's flying in behind. Oh, did we not actually mention that Rattrap shows up and sees Noble? Or did we say that already? Sorry. Uh, no, I don't think he had seen him yet. He does. Yeah, like like we the next scene we oh no but you are we riding on the back. Never mind. Yeah. You're right. I skipped uh-huh. that a little bit. I'm a butt. No, no. Um, but yeah, she's sort of whole, he in his bird form. He sort of got like these horns that are all. It, it sort of reminds me of like Thor's helmet. Um, yeah, yeah like horn these, feathers. Yeah, these like horn feathers on the side of his head that she's holding on to while he's flying. Um, but then we turn back to to Night Scream, who's chomping on some apple on another apple, uh, or rather, getting ready to. And just as he opens his mouth to to get ready, uh, we hear a little pss, and then he looks over and sees Rat Trap, who's like, "I'm here to rescue you." And Night Stream's just like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> um, Noble shows up, and Noble's a little freaked out by Rat Trap, and and Night Scream tries to negotiate the situation, but Noble turns into Savage, and then yeah. Yeah, it doesn't go overly well, uh, and Savage starts chasing after them, shooting some some fireballs out of his mouth at them as they go. Um, so obviously, Night Scream has some some work to do on uh, on the training aspect with the with Savage. There, um, we then return to the big giant floating head. I keep wanting to. I keep wanting to say incoming message from the big giant head. Just do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No one's stopping you, Greg. (laughs) We we cut to the big giant head. You could always just make it a sound clip. Incoming message from the big giant head. Yeah, that's true. Um, And we've got black arachnia and silver bolts who are, you know, sort of walking through. They're they're searching for Octopus and Cheetor. They're having a bit of a back and forth. Uh, and they come upon some sort of like a sentry orb, I guess you could say. Um, it freaks out, starts flying. She manages to to slice it in half with one of her little web shriekens. And uh, just as they're examining that one, they're set upon by another, oh, half a dozen or so. And she's like, there's too many of them. And uh, just as she says that, though, a wall opens up and they sort of sort of fall into it i guess or at least leap through it because yeah. it's like the only exit like possible yeah, they, they, they avenue of running and she's yeah. like oh like she says like lucky we found that and he says luck has nothing to do with it megatron led us here and then megatron sure enough shows up and this is where he's keeping uh cheetor and uh primal yep and and then he becomes the matrix yes <laughs> yeah he he we see this sort of like glowy cylinder shoot up from the floor and inside the middle of it is sort of like this the shape it's, of megatron's head yeah but it's code eyes, but, it's like but it's cybertronian code. code i guess yeah yeah it's cybertronics i'm wondering what that cybertronics says. uh nothing in the wiki said like there was anything they could pick out so I, it is either random letterings or no one took the time to try and pick out words yeah because i mean they, a I tree think, a butt. 
Eric Estelle. What if it just says one zero zero one 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 zero zero one one zero zero one? Whatever that so, is a binary. Yeah, I couldn't so have sworn in binary. It's just nonsense. What? Wait, what's? <laughs> Hold up a <Yeah>. beard. <laughs> <laughs> That was my favorite Futurama joke. So a few, a few, a few months ago, there was something that you guys said was the scene from was from the was pulled from the Matrix, and we had a big long discussion about whether <laughs> yeah. or not that yeah. could have been inspired by the Matrix or whatever. Uh, this was, I would say, I mean, yeah. this, enough time has passed. This is this would have been in production, you know, early two thousand. So so the Matrix was had been everywhere for six months by the time the earl by the earliest time this thing could have been put into production so i would say this is definitely this is definitely pulled from the matrix yeah yeah it would definitely make sense um so this is where we would have cut to a commercial when we come back we've got megatron talking to both black iraqi and silverbolt uh he's he addresses silverbolt as his once and soon to be general no no no. once in future general because the play on once a future king yes (laughs) yeah um and so we get a bit of a dialogue uh where it's sort of like the devil and the angel and black erect is the angel and megatron is the devil um he's like i gave you i gave you power and she's like i gave it's like we gave you friendship i gave you love and yeah well i gave you my heart is what she said yes and uh, we get a pretty cool bit at the end with Silverbolt uh, when all is said and done and, you know, Megatron sort of had the last word in and, and we get Silverbolt who's like, you gave me nothing. And then we get, you know, the heroic transformation of Silverbolt. And then he goes absolutely berserk and start. it turns out he's still got wing missiles. Or feather missiles. He's got feather blades. Yeah. And we find out that his we find out that his color is yellow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because he goes nuts. Uh, and his feather shurikens. Yeah, he's almost like a ninja yeah. in that sense too. Like he's the driver yeah, like, of a lot of different things here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like 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 we were saying, the design of his his robot form, especially like like. It has like a top knot kind of thing there, invokes some kind of like feudal samurai kind of thing. Well, it even has like yeah. facial hair, like it's it's yeah. totally coated Ronin kind of thing, and maybe he's like a whatever the Ronin version of a ninja is, because he's kind of very ninja-ish too in the way he attacks. Mm-hmm. Like he throws he throws like knives. He doesn't like have a sword. Yeah, uh, that would be cool though, wouldn't it? If he had a sword. Yeah, kind of reminds me of um, uh, what's his name from animated? Um, Prowl. Oh. Yeah, kind yeah, of, kind of like sure, Prowl, kind of in yeah, in the lank, lankiness and and movements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. His, even the head shape is a little Prowly. Yeah, specifically animated Prowl because Prowl and yeah, he wants like a cop car and yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so the the resulting explosions as uh, Silverbolt goes berserk, uh, Megatron's form sort of dissipates, and. Uh, the the device that was holding Rat- or holding Cheetor and Optimus deactivates, and they both, you know, sort of fall through the air and land on the same ramp that the other two are on. Oh, <laughs> Black Arachnia is like, uh, you know, oh, you you guys okay? And you know, 
some stuff's happened and Optimus is like, we'll talk about it later. And then he, they both transform. Uh, Optimus moves to, to hold a door that's closing open as uh, he calls for Silverbolt and Black Arachnium. Silverbolt is well, sort of like in berserker mode. He is not listening to anybody just hucking these feathers. And Black Arachnia literally has to zap him, to knock him out. Yeah, it's very Miles Morales, where she just kind of pokes him on the shoulder and, yeah. and falls over. And uh, he, he uh, you know, once he's knocked out, because, you know, he doesn't have the greatest control yet, he goes back into his bird form, and she's, like, dragging his feet. Um, we get see, cheap. yeah. Yeah, we, we get Cheetor parachuting with his swords, and Optimus... <laughs> uh, holding Silverbolt under his arm as they float mm. down. Uh, we get a brief, you know, glance between Black Arachnia and Optimus and, uh, you know, a bit, a bit of words between all of them with... Well, a, um, Black Arachnia says the nightmare is finally over. And then Cheetah was like, eh, guys, don't you think we're uh, short a few units? Yes. And so we cut back to, to Rat Trap and uh, Night Scream, who are still getting chased by Savage. Um... They're hiding behind a box and they're they're talking a bit, uh, and of course Night Scream is you know trying to say you know it, it's Savage and you know he he's my friend he saved me. Rat Trap happens to look over the box and his face gets roasted a bit. Yeah. Uh, they then manage to exit out of the lair only to be you know greeted by Thrust and a couple of his drones. And Thrust says, any last words? And Rattrap's Any last requests. Yes. Yeah. And and Rattrap's like, I like my Viacons well done. And (laughs) then we get Savage who pops its head out. He starts shooting at Thrust and the drones. Uh, The other Maximals arrive to see this going on. And Savage sort of looks over at them and then looks... Uh, as he does, we then cut to Thrust, who's hanging on to the edge of the of a uh, uh, the lower level underneath Savage. And I kind of feel bad for him here. <laughs> yeah, because he's calling for Jetstorm. He's like, "I need backup, Jetstorm. Where are you?" And then we see Silverbolt, who's back in robot mode, looking pretty pissed, and just picks up Thrust and hucks him off the edge of this. Uh, yeah, little- it's his- Jetstorm is gone, and so are you. He throws them yep. off. The Vehicons so, seem to be losing. Yeah. yeah no, um, I mean, like, there's only one Vehicon left. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's later. Uh, I kind of, I kind of feel bad for Thrustia though, because he said, like, in a, in a couple, of, last, a couple episodes ago, he was like calling Jetstorm his friend, and I'm like, oh, yeah, buddy. Well, you know what's fun? You know what's kind of when I think about it. This is the first time that Silverbolt's gotten the upper hand on Waspinator. <laughs> Which is kind of sad. Because yeah. every other time that they've had a bit of a conflict or anything like that, especially in Beast Wars, Waspinator always got the upper hand. This is the first time that, the you know, that Silverbolt gets to turn the tables a bit. Um, so we return to the Maximals who are still observing Savage and Silverbolt approaches behind Rattrap and Rattrap's, you know, all excited to see him again. Um, Silverbolt just seems not to pay a whole lot of attention at first. Optimus offers his hand out to him and welcomes Silverbolt back into the fold. Uh, 
Silverbolt just turns around and starts walking away. Optus is a bit surprised at first. And then we get Rattrap who's like, well, what's his problem? I, I know I'm not saying the exact... Yeah. Um, which, you know, you'd think that Rattrap would be a bit more understanding What's considering like, think about it for two fucking seconds ratchet <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> um we then have night scream who looks back at savage who's you know sort of stomping off um and he's like no we should try and you know we, we need to rescue him we need to bring him with us uh Rattrap's like are you crazy he tries to, to kill us and nice like well no he saved us you know there's more to him he's not just he's not just megatron there, there's something else and Optimus is observing him and he says when when the time is right noble will come find us and then we see savage sort of look at them and then turn and start moving away um we then get uh a scene between Black Arachnia and, and Silverbolt again. They're talking on a, a roof again. They're both in robot form. And it's sort of like a sunrise. or I'm not sure if it's a sunrise or sunset at this point. Sunrise makes more sense because it's been night the whole time. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Silverbolt is talking about how, you know, Black Arachnia mentions how he's a good person and, and you know, all that good stuff. And he's like, no, you don't understand. It's like, I'm not angry with what Megatron did to me. I realized that a part of me was enjoying what I was doing as Jetstorm. Yeah. And like, he mentions that, that, that Megatron freed him of his honor. Yeah. Because he like, kind of like, he didn't, he, he was trying so hard all the time. And then he just didn't have to anymore. Kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So it's quite the scene and he he feels conflicted and you can tell that he's worried that something's going to happen. Um, Black Arachne, of course, is trying to be reassuring. And towards the end of the episode, she takes his hand and he's like, are you sure you're, you're he's like, uh, you're taking an awful big risk. And, you know, she she doesn't seem to, to care. She's just happy to have him back. And so the end well, of the episode, yeah. she says, she says, like, considering what I know of the light in your heart, I don't think I'm taking a risk at all kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really expected her when she's like describing what he's like and then grabs his hand to say, like, and the man I love. But she didn't say it. And I'm like, that's that's a missed opportunity there, buddies. You could have got a yeah. good line there. <laughs> yeah. It's cliche, but I like it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the end of the episode. And here I've got that. I've got that clip. Sorry, I got distracted. No worries. It, yeah, this is like. I mean, this is this is the end of the episode. Uh, that back and forth. Hmm. Nobody's judging you. You were under Megatron's control. Join us, and you can avenge yourself. You still don't get it, do you? I don't hate Megatron for what he made me do. He freed me from my code of honor, and I reveled in it. Don't you see? I enjoyed it. I don't know what I am anymore. You are what you've always been. Honest, pure, virtuous to a fault. 
taking a huge risk. Considering how well I know the goodness in your heart, it really isn't a risk at all. Good episode. It's like the freaking like voice acting is so good. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is good. It's good and the dial, like, in the dialogue, the writing is is good. Like, I will say that um, when he says like you still don't get it, do you? I mean, think of this one time where I watched a a a, a compilation of all the times people sit in movies. You just don't get it, do you? And it's so many. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's very Silverbolt is transformed. <laughs> like he's not what he used to be. <laughs> well, you know, he used to be a Predacon. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, do you think um do you think the reason that he always brings up I once was a Predacon is that he actually like he's con- like during during Beast Wars he was like constantly Fighting to keep himself from just becoming Jetstorm the entire time. Hmm. It would be it would be an interesting <laughs> twist. It would. So yeah, thoughts overall on the episode. I liked it. I was I glad I, to I, see Silverbolt back. I think we've had like a lot of thoughts right yeah. around the time that like that <laughs> yeah. conversation happens between Jetstorm. I mean, uh, Silverbolt and Black Arachne. We kind of like went over it pretty hard, but like, yeah, it was a good episode. Um, I would say it's yeah one of my favorites of Beast Machines for sure. Yeah, it is. It's up there with that uh, with that episode where Rhinox was had lots of crazy monologues. Like it's it's probably it's probably yeah like it easily within my top five of Beast Machines. Probably within my top two or three of Beast Machines, and it's probably in my top in my top ten since. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I at least at least going back to season two from season two of Beast Wars on, it's easily in my top five, maybe even in my top ten, including those first season episodes that I really like. Hmm. Yeah. No, for me, I I'm really glad to have him back, and I liked the way I I already went over a bunch of it before while we were talking about it, but I really like the the take that they have with the character here. It, it seems more mature, which we've been seeing over the course of this series now, and I think it's just, it's a logical progression of the character, and like you were saying, Kendall, especially with like between Black Arachnia and Silverbolt and the voice acting, it's just like they're, you know, it, it's it's working out so well. Like they, I think that they, they know the characters so well now that they're able to see the progression themselves and know how it's going to be. It's, it's also interesting. Uh, Cause one of the things that I've, that I've liked about beast machines that separates it from, especially the season two and three of beast wars is the, the focus on limiting characters. Mm-hmm. So like just the sheer number of characters. Yeah. Having having a Silverbolt replace Jet Jetstorm, what it does is it doesn't require them to give Jetstorm a stupid death where he like falls into lava and randomly dies to to make room for him. And it also doesn't just add extra characters. Like it does replace it does 
the the net number of characters is still the same. Yes. Um, and that's uh, that's just a really good thing because I think that they've got. I mean, really, yeah, we have the same because because Tankor's Tankor's out of the picture and was replaced by Noble Savage, but otherwise it's the same number of characters. So they were able to upset the status quo without constantly throwing new stuff at us. Yep. Nope. I agree. All right. So we've got a uh, news post from from Casey at Lady K Hirsch here. Uh, Jordan, you and Casey recorded a uh, bonus episode that we're going to try and get up here probably within the next week or so. It's just a matter of me uh, sitting down and, and getting the editing done on it. So I'll try and get that done this week. Yeah, and it's in regard to most of the news that came out of the uh, toy fair that Hasbro was at recently. Yeah. Uh, but we've we've got some news here. Uh, so just to start thing off, uh, Casey says, hey there, BCs. I'm sure you were all so happy Silverbolt is back to his normal self and not drastically different despite his one other appearance in the series having him behave like he did in Beast Wars. Okay, okay, enough sarcasm. Silverbolt is back, and this time he's the Frank Miller version. Also, he's ugly. Oh, Kendall, you'll like this. Also, he's ugly as sin and has a weird and bad toy. Okay, so I I'm kind of ambivalent about his his looks uh, in the thing. Like the more I watch it, the more I'm like, yeah, I can get, live, live with it. Yeah. But yeah, I've seen stuff of his toy. It's yeah, bad. It does not the look toy good. is really bad. I need yeah. to look this up. Silverbolt. <laughs> yeah. um, she goes on to say, I mean, to be fair, those last two have oh, God. plenty of maximals. <laughs> what are those and... colors? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a decent looking one here, too, though. So I wonder if someone made like an edit of it. Because like, yeah, I think somebody it, did a custom of it. Because this, yeah, it's like not the right colors. I don't. Yeah. I, I That's the main problem, I'd say, because like not all, a lot of the toys don't really look like there's. Be, there, but one one of the other kind of small uh things with it if if especially if you get a closer look at it is that apparently the robot legs are still kind of awkwardly placed and aren't easily pushed away mm-hmm. like in most pictures you see them kind of they try to make them fold with the wings so they look like they're attached to them but it's just kind of them placing them there out of the way yeah and it's been it's been noted that maybe they didn't change it in time, and what they were going to do was he was going to be a griffin, yeah. and, okay. and, that, and that's what was the toy design to, was originally supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. In yes. fact, I think at the TFU Universe one, they have an, a picture of what the griffin because you can't just put it in like a four-legged position kind of thing. What that what that toy would look like if it was in that in that configuration. Yeah. Um, she goes on to say. Um, but at least they didn't like. She means to be fair; those last two apply to plenty of Maximals in this show. But at least they didn't lose their iconic beast modes. Also, well, it looks like he's got a sword in the toy. Yeah, kind of what I think he yeah, should his, have. His yeah. wings, his wings become a sword. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Fourth this is field. clearly a five dollar toy, so I'm not. Gonna, yeah. I mean, it's it's the it's the basic, the basic level. Um, Transformers or, or the basic level beast machines guy. I'm not going to complain about 
the design of the toy just because it's yeah because it's the cheapest it's the lowest yeah but I, I mean like I, I don't mind if there's like a low version and a high version I just I just wish there wasn't just a low version you know right, well like that's, that's how I mean that's how beast that's how all of them were especially if I feel one. like if it just had the right colors it would look a lot better because it's not that bad it's just the colors are really jarring yeah 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 she uh she goes on to say, uh, Silverbolt no longer fe- features his titular color of silver. More of a purple bolt now, to be honest. Yeah, well, Black Rock is not black either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's like, does this mean he's secretly related to the G1 character Blue Streak, who's notorious for his lack of any blue color anywhere on his body? Okay, let's move on to the news for this week. <laughs> uh, first up, Adult Swim posted a Beast Wars-based robot chicken skit on their Facebook page. And this skit in question features David Kay prizing his role as both Megatron and Scorponok. Uh She provides us with the link. Oh, I, it's I actually on the face, It's on our Facebook yeah, page uh, already. I shared it. Uh, yeah. Kendall was able to share it there, and yeah. I mentioned how I was really glad they got David Kay. Like yeah. I heard Megatron's voice, and I'm like, "Is that Dave, is that him?" Or did, and I it, just quick look, and it it's definitely the first thing that comes up is that they got him there, yeah. which I think is a very nice thing considering how they recently, I believe, Robot Chicken also did a Homestar Runner skit w- without any uh, input or asking the brothers Chap. Like they kind of just <laughs> lift them, lift the characters wholesale. Yeah. And people were a little upset about that because, you know, yeah. they were like, wait, what? What? No one told us about this. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but, man, the it's those skit. must be Seth Green's to- toy collection or whatever. Like it was it, it <laughs> was just this like these perfectly mint condition, beautiful looking. That is my favorite Megatron uh, yeah. you know, season one Megatron. And then and then the toy of Scorponok. That even had the missiles in his hand. Uh, yeah. I was like, man, I need to. I need so, to go. Um, I have spent I have a million dollars on a complete the box. First three, the first three seasons of Robot Chicken on uh, DVD, and I've spent a lot of time listening to the 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 uh, extras and the stuff like there, and like Seth Green and and Brecken Meyer and them talking about stuff like that, mm-hmm. and, and it's not exactly so much as that it's their collection as that they just really go out of their way to get uh as close as like when they're doing a specific thing as close as in universe toys as possible yeah and they've mentioned before that they kind of do feel sad about this because for what they do they kind of have to completely rip them apart yeah there was a scene where they had uh they were doing like a cannonball run like a car race thing with like all kinds of characters it had chips it had batman and robin uh it had knight rider that kind of thing yeah i remember that one yeah they got they got one of those original uh, Batman toy cars like the the one you see is like the the actual like it's like a very hard to find toy yeah. and they had to destroy the crap out of it and they felt bad because it was like a minted like a mint toy that they got and they're like oh we're gonna have to crush this thing up yeah yeah it's too bad yeah. so complete in box uh, Scorponok from season one goes for one hundred and fifty dollars on eBay uh, I don't wow. want to do that. Even like mm. the even like a presentable like it looks like it doesn't have the missiles, but it you know he still looks l- like you could probably still display him is like yeah. fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they for what they for what, all the little stuff that they do, they actually kind of don't cheap out, uh, cheap out on this stuff. Yeah, it's kind of surprising. 
Yeah, she she goes on to say the uh, the skip features the original toys for both Megs and Scorponok, as well as some impressive customization work on a polar claw toy at the end. It's a pretty funny short, and it makes me miss the old days when Megatron having a big head was just a figure of speech and not a literal statement on his current state of existence. <laughs> Speaking of nostalgia for the past, IDW has revealed an upcoming original graphic novel titled Transformers Bumblebee, Win If You Dare. Here's an excerpt from the press release. Transformers original graphic novel starring Bumblebee arrives in fall, arrives fall 2018. An all-new, all-80s Bumblebee adventure from IDW Publishing. IDW Publishing is thrilled to announce that in 2018, Bumblebee from the Transformers franchise will star in his very own original graphic novel. The perfect jumping-on point for the next generation of Transformers fans, Transformers Bumblebee, Win If You Dare, gives readers the opportunity to join in the fan-favorite characters' adventures. Life can feel rough when you're when you aren't the fastest or the tallest Autobot, but Bumblebee is up to the task. When his best friend is hurt, Bumblebee takes it upon himself to finish the mission and prove his worth to his fellow Autobots along the way. Things get tense as Bumblebee and a new human friend infiltrate a series of incredible races, hunting down dangerous foes and a devastating secret. It's an exciting new action-packed 80s adventure. X-Men 92 co-writers Chad Bowers and Chris Sims, along with artist Marcelo Ferreira from Back to the Future and Transformers Windblade, have crafted a nostalgia-tinged yet equally fresh standalone story. Now, first, Casey wants to point out that while Marcelo Ferreira has done work on some Transformers comics as well as other comics in the IDW Hasbro universe, he did not work on either volume of Windblade, and she's not sure why they incorrectly credited him here, but he has done work on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Black Dynamite, and Richie Rich? Huh. Oh. She's like, I'm sure Kendall can give us the hot info on the X-Men boys and put their works post-1992. <laughs> so I did read, I did read, uh, I haven't read all of X-Men 92, uh, that's, and just to be clear, that is not the X-Men book from 1992. That is the, uh, the, it started that out came as out a of secret wars. Wasn't yeah. It started out as a secret wars tie in and then became an ongoing, um, based loosely though, legally distinct from the 1992 cartoon universe. Yeah. Uh, oh. and, and yeah, Chris Sims, uh, also, uh, he was, he was a guest on the, First episode of HM96, I believe. Uh, deep cut for you, you OG audio <laughs> entropy fans. Um, oh yeah, uh, that one comic book guy who was on HM96. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he also uh, he also does the um, he does several podcasts that I listen to. Um, he does he does a uh, uh, sailor business and um, and uh, he also is a regular on retronauts the retro video gaming podcast i listen to so that's he, he that's cool that he is involved with this uh he is a cool guy that i like his Ooh. stuff so um cool so this that might be the this might be something that i could maybe consider uh you know looking yeah and into. It's, it's it's supposed to just be a self-contained graphic novel right yeah. like it's not it's not an issue thing so it's probably it's just like a nice little collection you can just get up get get in start like hop on to yeah and yeah. he's uh yeah he also yeah he's he's a very 
no Chris Sims is very knowledgeable about these kinds of things. I don't know that he specifically has done Transformersy stuff, uh, but he is a you know cons. He is he does bask in the in eighties and nineties nostalgia, so I think he's he'll be a good fit for this. Yeah. Uh, Casey goes on to say the book is going to release on September 11th of this year for $9.99 and judging by the cover it appears Hasbro has gotten VW to cooperate outside of the movieverse space as well uh, with a classic G1 alt mode featured in the top left corner uh, glad to see a VW bug be renaissance after all these years of hatchbacks and muscle cars for alt modes they're leading really hard into that nostalgia factor with this press release, but that doesn't really say much about the actual quality of the book. It is nice to see them do something a bit different that isn't tied down to one specific continuity. Hopefully this book is good and performs well so we get more standalone graphic novels like it. You okay, buddy? Yeah, I'm just a bit gassy. Um, I thought you were yawning. Nah, I'm just a bit gassy. He's just farting. Um, it's okay. <laughs> Um, personally, she says she would like to see a Starscream one next. Uh, next, she goes on to say that we have an interview with Takahiko Shirai, one of the designers involved with the upcoming Star Wars powered by Transformers line from Takara, along with some new in- images, and she provides us with a link. Uh, while the interview is, of course, in Japanese, the contents of it has been roughly translated by TFW 2005 forum member Shin Densetsu. And she's linked us to the posts in question provided and provided its contents below. Uh, here's some things that she's gleaned from it. Uh, pr- production of this line is overseen by Takahiko Shirai. Uh, the original line from 12 years ago was an all Hasbro initiative. And this line is an all Takara effort. No, uh, I didn't actually know that before. That was yeah. just Hasbro that did it. Yeah. And like with no input from Takara with mm-hmm. the Transformers stuff. So special care was taken not to expose robot parts in vehicle modes without compromising proportions. Uh, transformation is said to be slightly more difficult compared to what is not mentioned in the mainline Transformers, maybe. Uh, however, the author iterates that Dakar is well-versed into designing transforming toys. Uh, the Falcon is said to be more complex than Vader's tie. Um only one figure can fit into the main cockpit in vehicle mode. Uh, and it mentioned something about Chewie having a place to sit behind, maybe in the back of the actual Falcon, but not the cockpit. Um, apparently, Takara's goal was to make the vehicle modes look so good that fans would react like, there's no way that thing transforms. Uh, Vader wasn't chosen first due to popularity, and his tie advance was an easy design for Takara to to convert into a transforming robot. Uh, the Millennium Falcon is seen as another step up since it's a little bit more complex to transform than, than Vader's TIE Advanced. Uh, the Falcon costs more, not just due to size, but being more complex and due to having more paint apps, uh, specifically the panel lighting and the weathering. Uh, apparently the Han bot and Chew bot look bigger than the Falcon in vehicle mode would lead you to believe uh, this includes plastic volume, which she thinks was mentioned before. Um, and some of the transformation mechanisms incorporated will seem new and or not used in prior toys. Uh, oh, 
Also, part of the transformation for the Han bot was apparently inspired by Megatron. She goes on to say she thinks it was one of the arms. Um, there, there's quite a few bits here. I'm Unfortunately, I have to gloss over some of it just to get onto the other stuff here. Um, she did her best to translate. Uh, she did to provide a little word for word transformation as it would sound weird. If there are any inaccuracies, inaccuracies, it's been 16 years since she's been in, in a Japanese class. Um, the gist of the article is that Takara is very excited for their turn at designing Star Wars Transformers this time around. Um, the MSRP is higher due to the more complex transformations and paint um, and the plastic volume. So not quite sure in what context, but she's guessing the hand and chew bots are bigger yet than the Falcon is very sleek. Um, emphasis is on vehicle modes that don't give away the fact that they transform. Uh, she goes on to say, I do think that regardless of your robot mode opinions, they've done an impressive job making the, the Millennium Falcon look like a model that and that doesn't transform. Uh, she still plans on getting the TIE Advance, and she's indecisive on the Falcon, but she's excited to see what they do next. And she'd definitely be happy with either an X-Wing or a Slave One. Uh, she hopes the time is the line is successful or line rather is successful enough that we keep seeing more new ships and she says give me a transforming princess leia you cowards <laughs> yeah leia's rc she even has the hair buns yep yeah. <laughs> so last thing in the news post uh she says finally remember mighty mugs well they're back also they're transformers characters uh, Hasbro brought back Mighty Mugs earlier this year with Marvel and Star Wars characters and a new face-switching gimmick, and Transformers will be joining them later this year. The initial wave of Mugs, she says muffs, but I think she meant Mugs, uh, is made up of the Fab Four of Transformers, Optimus, Bumblebee, Megatron, and Starscream. And they appear to be using the now ever-present evergreen designs. These look cute, but Optimus is looking a bit too scary mad. And Starscream is lacking his signature smirk. Says, do you think they'll do one based on the animated version of Blitzwing? Who would like to see, who would you like to see get the Mighty Mugs treatment? That's actually an interesting thing, because if I remember, animated Blitzwing had the the face that could change, right? Yes. I think he had like three faces. Three faces. Yeah. <laughs> um, she says, finally, um... okay. Go ahead, Em. Any of the animated characters getting new toys would be great because those toys are great. The animated toys are amazing, and the designs are yeah. great. Did you Did you see the the picture of the Mighty Mugs in? I put. I'm pretty sure I put a bit. What chat. is a? I'm I'm sorry. What is a Mighty Mug? Uh from what I can tell, it's a big headed robot. Yeah, it's similar to. Oh, uh, it's a pop. Like, yeah, it's sort of similar to a see? pop figure. Yeah. Yeah. See the angry optimist there. Yeah, they're cute. I like them. I wouldn't mind uh, any animated characters doing that. Yeah. I mean, that's not what I expected when I when I heard there was you were making they're making new figures. I'm like, I don't know why they're called mugs, but yeah. But no, it's cool. They're cool. Yeah. I always thought it was just that they were mugging at the camera. Yeah, maybe. It's because the the faces are huge. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> yeah. So last thing for Casey, she says, okay, that's all for this week. I'll leave you all with this question. Which Beast Wars slash Machines characters correspond with which Batman characters? Hope you all have a wonderful week and don't get kidnapped by the feral, soulless, still-living corpse of a fascist dictator who shoved his soul into a giant reproduction of his own head. Okay. 
Great. <laughs> so now we don't know I if mean, Noble has no soul. True. He just doesn't yeah, have a spark. A soul. Yeah, it's a difference. Yeah. Like, I agree. That is, yeah, that's not fair. <laughs> also, uh, we already said Cheetor's Nightwing. In this yeah, I, case. I, I, I think Wars, we did a little Robin, like, Justice League thing he's, before, right? In this, he's, um, yeah. Yeah, but, if, if, but Casey is specifically saying Batman characters, yeah. but Nightwing and Robin are still Batman characters as well as like Teen Titans mm-hmm. slash Justice League. Yeah, I, yeah, I do think yeah, Cheetor's Nightwing and uh, and Night Scream is is a Robin depending yeah, on Damien, the, I, I think he's I specifically think he's Damien, but uh, yeah, I'd say that works. Um, is he's either Damien or or Jason? Okay, okay. So how about this? Let's let's actually take it even further. Which Batman sidekicks specifically? Let's line up all line up the the well, I mean, um, like, okay, the maximals with just yeah, like, Batman okay, sidekicks. But, okay, but like to be fair, almost every Bat family character is a Batman sidekick besides Batman. So they'd be like most okay. of them need to do Batman anyway. So, so okay, you're just okay, okay. Of, so, so all you're really which, saying is make none of them Batman. Okay, no, no, no. Okay, I'll be more specific. The maximals, which Batgirl and or Batgirl or Robin, uh, do each one line up with, and we can't okay. repeat. Um, Optimus is Tim Drake. Uh, I would say that Black Arachnia is maybe Cassie. That's her name, right? Cassandra yeah. Kane. Yeah. Um, she may be Cassandra or she. Or Barbara. I would say, I, I would say Optimus Barbara. is Barbara in, in Beast Machines. In Beast Machines, I would, I would say Tim because like, again, like the trying to be a more smart character, I guess, because Tim's like the smartest Batman character besides Batman, but I could see Barbara for him too. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, like okay, like I, I think Cassandra Kane for Black Arachnia, or possibly Stephanie Brown, but not really. She's too. Just Stephanie Brown's too like bubbled Steph- up. Stephanie Gra- Brown, I think, would line up more with uh, with Rat Trap. Yeah, I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that too. Um, See, I was just going to try and figure out the police force since. Uh, what are the char- characters are there? We sorry. Oh well, uh, you know James Gordon or or well, Harvey we, Bullock. Who did we forget? No, no, we're, we're, we're doing we're doing Batgirls and Robins who, first. Who did we forget? Yeah, I know. Who did we forget as far as Maximals? Yeah. Uh, Silverbolt, I think, is pretty well, much. Yeah, so Silverbolt. If if he's not like a dark Batman, he's Jason Todd as like Red yeah. Hood, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, he's either, um, yeah, he's either, he's either like Dick Grayson, Robin, Silver Age, Dick Grayson, Robin is the old version. And yeah, I guess, yeah, Red Hood is, is who, who he would be. Yeah. Jason Todd in Beast Machines. Um, and I would say that Noble's Ace the Dog. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Jason Todd, pre-crisis Jason Todd was just written as dick grayson like he was like they tr- which crisis we're we talking about here uh cri- crisis crisis on infinite crisis Earth. on infinite Earth. the one that brings back is todd okay cool yeah no no no, no. that's infinite crisis oh, before no i'm talking about crisis on infinite earths uh from the, the 80s. first crisis pre-crisis pre-crisis jason todd was literally had the exact same origin as as dick grayson yeah, I did. And 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 was just written as Dick Grayson. Like he didn't have post crisis is when he they changed his origin. Oh yeah, and they made it so that he had like he was a he was jacking the tires, stealing off the, the tires Batmobile. off the Batmobile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
so so and, and, then, and then and then post other crisis crisis is when they made it so that they kind of combined with two because like in the circus one he was a redhead and had to dye his hair and then there was like and then in like pre new 52 stuff i believe jason Old 52 yes yeah <laughs> old 52 uh jason Todd had red hair like all the time, so but they kind of took from that. But he also stole the tire still, so it was weird. I don't know. Right, it was post crisis. I mean, that was still considered post crisis. But I just mean, like in the in the Jason when Jason stole the tire, he didn't never had red hair. The circus Jason had red hair. The stole the tire did not have red hair. But then adult Jason Todd as Red Hood had red hair, but he died black. But he had dyed hair, red hair. I remember one comic where he's like in jail for a while because he purposely gets put in jail and it just goes around like killing all the inmates. And it's pretty badass, actually. And he has this long red hair. And I remember thinking like, God damn it, Jason Todd's hot now. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did we do all the Maximals? That's all the Maximals. Yeah, but I at- think so. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So, what else do we have for questions this week, Jordan? One more thing. I, I can see Optimus being Gordon if we weren't just doing Robins and that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, we got a couple of questions. Uh, we actually got an email. We did. I saw it. <laughs> uh, we have a new – we had a new fan. Uh, Rachel Blaze sent us an email to, saying that they just found our podcast and love it so far. Well, thank uh, you. Welcome uh, and, board, Rachel. And they had a uh, recap log where they actually went through all of Beast Wars as well. Cool. Uh, but they but they never actually continued on to Beast Machines. They just did Beast Wars. Yeah. Um, I think we'll try to have it up in the notes or at least somewhere uh, in case people want to take a look at it. Because I mean, it it just it's just a link to the archives of the of the uh, of the recap thing. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I've got the link here. It was uh, Rachel Recaps, all one word, dot blogspot.com. Cool. Yeah, so if folks want to check it out, it is a few years old, uh, but uh, yeah, I think the entirety of Beast Wars was, was reviewed and she did write ups on it. It was really good. Okay, and then we got a couple of uh, Twitter questions. One from my name is Cass. My world is fire and blood. At what is cosplay? Ass. Oh, that's a name. <laughs> uh, says Ish. I don't really like this new silver bolt, especially that goatee. If the BCs went to a fair, which things would they like best, and which super teams would they fit in with? Went to a fair? Yeah, maybe like a Ren fair, maybe. Okay. Well, I mean, like, I'm feeling a carnival thing. I think like I feel like um like well like like you know carnivals like you know where you like throw a baseball at like something to get someone dunked in a tank and like have to fill up the balloons and pop them with water guns and like that kind of thing is what I think of. But um, yeah. Well, you um, know, uh, it's, a, it's interesting you mentioned that because I would definitely imagine uh, if you feel, felt a little bit better, Silverbolt would drag black arachnia to, to one of those. Yeah. And he would try and win so many prizes for, her. <laughs> and I'd say like maybe one out of every three, he would, he would lose. And then black arachnia would just blow it out of water and he'd be the one carrying the giant stuffed animals. Rat Trap would win the hot dog eating contest. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. Um, oh, wait. Not, would he look um, like Templeton at the end? <laughs> Black, Black Arachnia and um, uh, Silverbolt would be riding a Ferris wheel together. Yep. Or the merry go round. Optimus would uh, have like 
an, a ridiculously large vegetable that he put into a contest. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it would be a pumpkin. He grow giant pumpkins. Octopus would do like be all embarrassed to do the strongman thing, but then nail it. Like we hit the hammer against the thing, he would do yeah. that. Um, Night Scream would just complain that he doesn't want to be there. He'd rather be home playing video games. Yeah, yep. that's true. <laughs> this cut. This cut. This is too much like a country. I want to go home and play with Noble. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only one who understands me. <laughs> what would Cheetor do? Hmm. hmm. Cheetor, there's no speed really to think. So maybe he'd like try to do like he would try to show off at like everything. Like he would try to do yeah, a yeah. ring toss. He would try to do like the the gun thing. He would try to do the thing where you throw the baseball and try to knock all the bottles over, like that kind of shit. Like yeah, he would, yeah. Like, he would try to be the like best that. at every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, like where I said like Super Bowl would only do that just to be kind of like you know have some fun and try and win something for Black Arachnia. Silver Bowl or, or uh, Cheetor would be really trying gun-ho to make sure that he showed everyone he was really good at it. Megatron yeah. would get very excited about getting a funnel cake. <laughs> oh, I could understand why. Funnel cakes are great. Mm-hmm. That's I oh. mean, really the Beast Wars would have just they would have made <laughs> peace if Optimus had offered Megatron a funnel cake. Yeah, I always wondered how, how, how regional funnel cakes are to, to the northeast u.s though because like i know like in some areas they don't actually have funnel cake they have more like like what's called like elephant air fried dough things well i mean megatron is from but megatron's probably from michigan so (laughs) funnel cake is basically it is literally just like a fried dough treat where basically the, the dough is poured through a funnel so basically the pieces are like you're dribbling like these like long strings of things and then they put powdered sugar over it so oh, instead of like okay. one large thick thing it's just like little strings like that you can pull off and eat together like a bunch of stuff it's it's kind of neat so it's almost like french fries but made of dough yeah okay <laughs> that's most things at a state fair yeah, <laughs> yeah it's de- it's deep fried yeah it's deep fried dough but you got to be specific because there's lots of different types of deep fried dough yeah. at yeah at, at, yeah at, state fairs uh yeah so it's yeah yeah they put it they put it through a funnel and they zigzag it and it's like the size of your plate and they cover it in the sugar and it's delicious uh for like five minutes and then once it cools down (laughs) then it's disgusting yeah there there is a there is a small time window on most funnel cakes you cannot you cannot take your leftovers home like they they do not say okay okay yeah um I think that's it for, for that question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Did we say which super teams they would fit in? Oh. Hmm. I mean, we've, we've done the allusions to, like, Justice League and the Bat and Batman group. Yeah. And stuff like that. I don't know. Um, Night Scream would be in the Runaways. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, who would be I mean, in, like, Optimus would be in like Justice League. Yeah, he would be um, like yeah. Justice League slash Avengers, like yeah. whatever the uh, top. Uh, in, like the Suicide Squad Outsiders kind of group. Not, not the. I think I think Black Arachne would be an Outsiders. You think? Yeah, she's very like Katana esque. I mean, Nightwing led that team. They're not that you know. Yeah. Bad or anything. Um, 
there's kind of like you know people who like need to kind of get on the right track which it sounds like black arachnia like suicide squad's too dark for black arachnia yeah maybe like maybe season maybe like beast wars black arachnia but current black arachnia would totally not be in suicide squad she'd be like i agree with that she um, could she could well depending i mean suicide squad uh she could lead the thunderbolts though yeah i could see that yeah uh, because they'd be like, you're a, you know, you used to be a bad guy. Maybe you can, like, get through to these yeah. guys. Yeah, because Thunderbolts, ever. I think Thunderbolts is more about reforming criminals, like criminals who are one to it, than, than just yeah. having the thing that will blow their head up. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Because, like, yeah, fucking Amanda Waller. Anyways, um, uh, so if, uh, uh characters. Rat Trap would be in, I was going like, to say, would uh, Cheetor be in Teen Titans? Yeah, of course. Or Young yeah. Justice. He would be in like Young Avengers or Teen Titans or Young Justice, like that kind of deal. Um, and he would be like the leader. Uh, and like Rat Trap would be in like GI Joe, like something that's like not a superhero team where he's just, like a tech guy, but like is kind of superhero. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, he'd be in like kind of like uh. He might even be like in season like Beast Wars Rat Trap might even be like in an image book. <laughs> so there was a uh there was a small like side like small like run of character of Marvel characters that were kind of like former heroes that were like teenage heroes that were trying to kind of pick their lives up after being teenage heroes when it wasn't so good. It had like Dark Hawk and uh Phil Ulrich, you know, because he was uh, you mean like the New uh, Warriors? Yeah, but I think it was called the, the Loners. Speedball I think. stuff. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't Speedball. It was uh, one of the. I feel like Rat Trap would be New Warriors. I was trying to think of where he would fit in. He would yeah. fit in well with New Warriors. Warriors. Okay. Yeah. I was saying, I think current Silverbolt would be more likely to fit with that kind of group. Where like <laughs> they're not, they're not, they're not exactly out to be heroes or anything like that. They're just kind of just trying to f- deal with what they've gone through. Yeah. Okay. So what was our next question there, Jordan? Uh, we got a question from Gwen looking forward to ECCC. I didn't add an extra C, did I? It's three. No, nope. yeah, it's okay. just three Cs. I was worried I said more. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite Batman? Is he grim and dark, the greatest detective, or running down the pier with a bomb? My answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I, I, I also kind of like all, all various. Each one has I, its I, own I, good points. I like, yeah. I like... I don't like the stuff that I don't like Batman's that are super dark. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, like I like I don't I don't like Frank Miller Batman. I like um like Batman the animated series. Like the DCAU Batman is yeah. is my favorite Batman probably. Same here. I would say he's my favorite Batman. I like Adam West Batman. It's a different thing altogether though. It's almost like a completely yeah. different character. Yeah. Can't really we can't really like we can't really compare them. They're almost completely different characters. Um Some- and sometimes you just can't get rid of a bomb. That's, I mean, that's a great movie. I love that movie. Yeah. I love Adam West Batman. I'm just saying, like, yeah, I'd say Tass is my favorite Batman. Even um, some I, of the I, and, and, and the comics that lean closer to the Tass type of Batman are the comics that I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I think that uh, I mean, my issue with um, maybe not specifically the animated series Batman, but like the ones the but some of the interpretations that have come out of that is that Batman can kind of be a Mary Sue and it can, you know, who is more powerful than Superman. Um, and, and it can be a little bad. So the Batmans that I like, 
Um, I don't I like, think Batman the animated series really does that. Yeah. I mean, Batman the animated it's, series kind of does it, but I but it does it well enough that that it's okay because Batman the animated series a lot of times is and and a lot of these him. other ones it's about the the people surrounding Batman are what really make that those stories great. But specifically yeah. Batman, I like um stories of his early uh, his early time being Batman. So specifically, uh, Long Halloween is my favorite. Uh, is my favorite Batman story. But also, I I like Batman Begins a lot. I'm not as big a fan of Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. I really don't like Dark Knight Rises. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't like but, Dark Knight Rises either. It's a bad movie. But <laughs> oh, you're not a. F- like, oh, I mean, what's wrong I with mean, Dark Knight Rises? I, I love Bane. He's, I love Deckard Bane. He's great I, as a joke, yeah. but not as an actual yeah. character. Well, and it's also it's that's not Bane. That's another character that they called Bane. I said De- Deckard Bane. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. And no, I was just saying, but um, but so so like early, I like early Batman where he sort of is still figuring things out. Um, also, I like when he's fighting the mafia. Uh, and then, and then also, I honestly, now that I think about it, and maybe it's because I've gotten so like entrenched in the pro Batfleck, uh, camp, I really don't mind a crazy, crazy, off the wall, extreme dark, uh, Batman, especially if it's done well, uh, where like like the Batman White Knight comic that's coming out right now, he's li- Batman is literally the villain in that. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a it's a Elseworlds take on the character, but he's taken things too far, and the Joker is not insane anymore, and is now like sort of being a you know trying to trying to uh, uh, fight for good, and Batman and Batman's crazy evil and stuff. It's I don't know. It's a uh, I sometimes think Cats that's an interesting take. Getting together, total anarchy. <laughs> but yeah, my favorite is um, my favorite is still early. Uh, I I do like some years. of the stories where uh like like they said greatest detective where he is more working with street level like he is actually trying to navigate some of the the crim- criminal politics at yeah. times yeah. like um, just just as well as a lot of the uh, animated series stuff yeah I was gonna say something I forgot oh sorry okay yeah, we talked me, about I, Batman I, a lot this episode yeah, <laughs> yeah well I mean I mean it's the episode it's called that yeah. Yeah, um, there was a lot of illusions. So, was that a, all we have for questions, Jordan? Uh, we finally have one comment from Ryan Butson from the Facebook group. And he's right. like, I don't understand why he doesn't like his giant bird body. I think he looks awesome. Aww. As a giant? Congrats. Yeah, I'm like glad, as a... I'm glad you like him. Mm-hmm. As a giant, as a giant uh, condor, prehistoric condor, I think he looks okay. Like, this is, this is definitely a... Des- like, in the show, it's definitely a design that I could live with. <clears throat> And I do kind of like his robot form. Yeah. I don't hate the robot form either. It's a little bit like the eyes are a little too big. It was a little bugged out. But like overall, I kind of like the Ronin aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I will admit, I will admit it is a very, it is a very odd visual uh, palette to get used to. Like, like most of the Beast Machine characters. Yeah. It is. It is to me. I, I guess my yeah. My thing. My one. My biggest criticism of it is that if you just saw a picture of him, you would never think that he was Silverbolt. Yeah, I can. Um, yeah, but also I don't care. Like <laughs> I just like his design is neither. 
is neither amazing nor terrible. It's I and it and it's so different. It's so different from what came before. Like yeah, before he had like a dog face. Yeah, which I liked. But. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I I liked his old design fine. I mean, he's not you know he's not my favorite character, but I liked his old design fine. It's it's just uh, like I just I can't you know I've already said too much. <laughs> all right and that's all we had for questions okay well with that being said does anybody have anything they would like to plug this week um i'll plug game apartment 1c again dan has officially started up the second season and he started by playing the super famicon uh star wars uh trying to do a challenge which he apparently quickly learned is really hard to play if you don't know what the directions are and mm. there's not a lot of things that help you with that like not even an in-game manual. Uh, the, he also oh, the super super Star Wars. No, no, no. The 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 Famicom, like the original Famicom uh, Star Wars game that was put out in Japan. Oh, okay. Like like not 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 one not one that was released. Not here. even not even the NES yeah. Star Wars game. Okay. Uh, yeah. Also the uh, I think he also says that in between like you know pauses of the challenge he's doing, they're also going to do like a little history retrospective of the discs the nintendo disc system uh <laughs> that was uh released in japan that actually kind of influenced a lot of things uh for you know later uh nintendo games and nintendo systems in the u.s so and those are always kind of fun and informative cool then let's see we also have let's see jesse cooper's uh still doing creepy cryptids and alphabet flight i think he's in the l's of uh of the marvel universe now so they're almost halfway through right on. the alphabet anyways. <laughs> and um, I Wait think they gets s- the S. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. they. I think they just recently did Lockheed, which is like one of my favorite sidekick characters, except yeah. when he's being written by that one creepy. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, who shall remain unnamed. Uh, but yeah, and then I. They see me rolling. It's also uh, started up again. Cool. M, how about you? Um, you can catch my other audio entry podcasts like Home for Vent Losers, Teenagers of Attitude, and The Pursuit of Passions, which I finally uploaded the Cameron and History episode for. And I have another episode recorded. I just need to edit it and get it all together to go for next month. Yay! Yay. Yeah! And that, and the, 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 again, the episode just came out as Cameron uh, from uh all, all, all along, all the, along watchtower. the watchtower i always say all top the fourth wall to fucking cassie so i'm trying <laughs> to like fix myself all along the watchtower from uh that cameron's on and he, he he's a big history buff so he talks about why he loves history and it's actually like if, if, if you're if you're not someone who's like into academics or like likes reading about history i think you still have a reason to go check it out i think cam's like passion for history goes through really well and he is able to give like relatable reasons for why he likes history. And I think that's an interesting uh, listen. Also, you get to hear his dog bark on it, which is fun. <laughs> I tried to edit out some of them in the robot dog barks, but I couldn't get all of them because <laughs> that's like, one of the, that was one of the things I missed from the early. Uh, yeah. Watch that's Tower why I put episodes. it in because it's from Watchtower. So I was, like, trying, <laughs> yeah. to, I was trying to put it in, but I didn't put it in for all of them. Cause sometimes the dog was just talking, was barking while he was talking and I didn't want to miss out what he was saying. So it was like, you can still hear what he's saying with the dog bark, so I'll keep them in. Um, he should have and... just mic'd the dog on the left channel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fritz is pretty good. Um, but uh, the one coming up, 
uh, next month is going to be me interviewing Luna, who has um, at Chie Shadownaka on Twitter. She has been on Totally Reprise a few times. Uh, I interviewed her about her transformation uh, fetish. So I'll get a horny episode of iPop. So come come enjoy that if you if that's what you're interested in. Uh, that's all I got. <laughs> oh wait, okay. follow me on at this is Emeralds. Wait, can you not like transformation without it being a fetish? No, but we're specifically talking about it as a oh. fetish. Oh. Luna has a transformation fetish. Fetish. Oh. And, and, I, and I said at the beginning of iPop that I'm going to talk about like normal stuff and and kinky stuff. So okay, this is a kinky episode coming up. But if you're not into that, fair. But warning, I should put it a a thing at the beginning because again not everyone's into that because some of the ipop every ipop episode done so far has been pretty tame so besides the episode zero um yeah so okay check it out if you like kendall how about you uh well you can find everything i do at kendallcast.ninja also at k hallman on twitter um k hallman on youtube i just actually uploaded a uh, ukulele video for the first time in a while uh, at the bottom of everything by bright eyes. Um, and, uh, I, I, as, as of recording, I have finished editing and just need to upload the, uh, the episode of that's what the bonus episode of that's what we called music, I guess is what it is, uh, with, uh, Jordan and Jesse Cooper, um, where we discussed, uh, fake weird Al songs, uh, songs credited to weird Al Yankovic, in the early days of the internet that are not by him. Um, it's, uh, it's a long episode. It's, <laughs> it, 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 you know, so, you know, as I always say, uh, uh, if you've listened to all the other podcasts on the internet, then, then give Kendall cast, uh, a try. Um, and, uh, also we're going to be, I've, I've got, that's what we're still doing. That's what we called music. Uh, our episode or, uh, song by song review of, of the now that's what I call music uh catalog. Uh we're getting toward the end of volume one. Uh so uh volume two is right around the corner. Cool. As always, uh you can find me on Twitter, uh Greg C M U N. Uh, I had a few people that had joined in. Uh I had uh Paul Schreier. For folks who don't know, he is the actor who plays Bulk, and he also plays Jack on Power Rangers Hyperforce on uh, Twitch for Hyper oh, RPG. Is great. Yes, <laughs> he 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 follows me now. I was so happy when I saw oh, that. That's I pointed so out cool. to my wife. Yeah. so cool. Yeah, I pointed out. To, I'm like Bulk. I'm like you know Bulk from Power Rangers. She's like yeah. I'm like he's following me on Twitter. <laughs> Aww, that's cute. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you want to, if you like hearing me and every once in a while, I post interesting stuff, you can follow me on there. Uh, you can find the podcast itself, uh, on Twitter also at or and beast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash four and beast podcast. Uh, and as was mentioned earlier, if, you want to send us an email we still got an email <laughs> it's still active uh, and the email is warrenbeastpodcast at gmail.com uh so yeah it's been another week we are now down to nine episodes left in the series uh so it's getting there so for warren beast i have been greg i've been emily i've been jordan i am the knight okay. i am batman <laughs> let's roll folks